nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong, and sometimes what we get right, when we try to speak this weird English language. Every episode, Kathy and Ross send me a word, I try to pronounce that word, I may be wrong, I may be right, and then we just see where that goes. Before we get going, let's of course say hi to Ross and Kathy. Hey Ross, uh, I'm curious how Toronto's doing. Down here, we uh, had winter come a little bit early. We've had a couple of snowstorms already. How are you guys doing up there? Wow, we only had one little tiny dusting, and then it went away, and we're back to rain and wet and kind of like... Kind of like Seattle weather, actually. <laughs> I was just going to say that, Ross. You could live here. <laughs> yeah, Kathy, I was curious if Seattle's just kind of rainy right now. What? Just take a wild gas flusher. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we had uh, we had highway closings and everything across the state. It was something. Wow. Yikes. Well, anyway, uh, today's word I'm excited about um, because in a former life, I was a musician. And this is the word uh, that we used when we wanted things played loudly. And it's spelled F-O-R-T-E. Uh, we pronounced it forte with the stress on the first syllable. Often, of course, I hear it pronounced forte when people are talking about somebody's somebody's strength, somebody's strong point. So I guess I'm curious which of those is correct or or if you're just going to tell me that neither one of them is correct. Well, first of all, well, you're kind of right and kind of wrong. When you're talking about someone's strength, you typically say fort. I mean, the, the, the accepted or the, the, the correct in quotes word would be fort for that pronunciation although nowadays they're allowing forte which is as you said the um musical term um i'm confused though ross you're gonna have to answer the thing about is it forte or forte well they're actually can i throw something in before we go into that because there are two different your kathy is right some people say forte some people uh, forte some people say forte but the really weird part about it is is it come, the word strength, fort comes from the idea of a sword. And the sword in French had two parts. The strong part, which was referred to, which was the fort part. And then the weak part, which was the fable or foible part. Now, Or foible, as we say now, <laughs> when you're talking about someone's foibles, like pronouncing things wrong. But here's the problem. In French, the original word was F-O-R-T. Le four, and would not even you would not even pronounce the T in French. The E was added because people like Fletcher, who were familiar with music, chucked on the E. So then you have a question: in a weird way, is even pronouncing it fort or forte, uh, forte correct? Oh no, I I'm going to interject, Ross, because I understood that the the forte pronunciation came from the Italian, which is why it's pronounced forte. As opposed to the French fort or four, or however you say it, with that R, that N, T that I can't pronounce. I agree with Kathy on this, Kathy. I do agree with you. But the <laughs> Thank e you. was added to the, to the strength part only upon looking at the Italian. They figured, oh, it looks better with an E at the end. So in a weird way, should we really pronounce it fort? The French term of strength here, in this case, was le four without the T ending. If, it, if you have the E ending, it does become la forte, but that doesn't really, 
what I'm trying to say, that doesn't really come from the uh, the origins of the word. I think it's best just to say strength. His strength is this. Well, what fascinates me is, although, in, you know, in the past, it, dictionaries are now accepting for the strength word, the pronunciation forte. And in fact, the American Heritage Dictionary, you know how they have the usage panel? They overwhelmingly preferred forte. <laughs> forte. Not forte, but forte. That's an interesting point because there's a really cool website called Youglish. It takes hundreds or thousands of um, you, you know, vid- videos, YouTube videos of diplomats speaking, business guys speaking. And then underneath it, it will have the transcript of what they're saying. So you type in F-O-R-T-E and you'll get a couple hundred people saying forte, fort or fort. You can sort of figure out very unscientifically who's saying what correctly. Everyone, not one person said fort. I listened to, I think, 55. Not one person said fort. And it was sort of split between forte and forte. So I don't, I think we should just say strength and leave it at that. (laughs) Okay, let me ask something because my head is kind of spinning. Uh, Let me just see if I can figure this out. So forte, when we're talking about music, and I'm going to put the stress on the first syllable just because that's how we always said it when, when I was a musician, that's Italian. But when we're talking about someone's strength, it's properly said fort because the word is French. Correct. But it actually <laughs> comes from for with, without the, the E on the end. So that would be the most proper way uh, to say it, except that we chuck the E on the end, as you said, um, because, because musicians uh, were used to seeing it. Is that, is that pretty much it? It seems to be. There's no real, I mean, it's hard to like figure out what people thought and said, but that, according, I think, to the OED, that was the reason. They added the eon sometime in the uh, 1700s, and it, it stuck there. And then the pronunciation, because you saw the E, and because from the Italian and the music, it, it became, frankly, the more preferred, not technically preferred, but the more used, I should say, the more casually used. I mean, one of my favorite things about this word is that Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary, in their definition of Fort Forte, says, take your choice knowing that someone somewhere will dislike whichever variant you choose. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that exact, that seems exactly right. It seems like you're sort of damned no matter which way you say it, because if, if you say if you say Forte, someone who knows that it's Fort is going to scowl at you. And if you say Fort, pretty much everyone is going to scowl at you because I never hear anyone say Fort. Precisely. I, I'm one of those people, and I think Ross is as well, who does say Fort. And I think people look at us and think, oh, these poor benighted fools don't realize there's an E on that, you know. But this isn't. I, Ross might want to go on a little like This is kind of what you would call a skunked term. Um, skunk terms generally are, uh, it's when a word goes from a change from one thing to another. And it's usually in terms of meaning, uh, like literally, figuratively. And we want to definitely address this in another podcast because it's a fascinating complicated area but in this way it's a skunk term in terms of pronunciation because as you said you can't win with it it's in the middle of it's in the middle of changing from fort to forte and and a lot of times when they're skunked you just say oh just don't use it until it's like finished its transition and it's almost there i think i think it makes a lot of sense what ross said to just use the word strength uh, because in this case uh, while there are often nuances in in our language and we have different words for a reason, it doesn't really seem like you're gaining anything by saying fort or forte. I agree. On on Kathy's term about like in a way skunked pronunciation, can I throw another word out, Fletcher, and see how you pronounce it? I'm sort of curious sure. on this one, as well as Kathy. 
N-I-C-H-E. Niche? Niche. Ah, Kathy? Yeah, I'm a niche. And here we go again. The preferred pronunciation up to like the 1970s was niche, not niche. What happened was all of us who, you know, fancy ourselves knowing a little French, and I fancy myself knowing a lot of French, and even though I do terribly when I'm in Paris, we look at it and we go, oh, it's niche. But it's technically, it was originally niche. And it was, yeah, it's niche for years. The funny thing is, is I never said niche. And, and, and now that I, it, I'm aware of it, having put this in the book, actually, I, I'm suddenly hearing niche all, all like, you know, all over the joint. But I'm a niche girl. I mean, to me, it's like it's niche. That's what I always learned. It's not niche either. So I don't have you ever heard anyone say that? I want no, definitely have never heard niche. I am I am very surprised, however, that it was niche and is and pe- more people are saying niche. I certainly would have expected the other way around. Yeah, no, and it wasn't listed as niche in American dictionaries until 1961. 71 here I have, which is which is a long, long way. But there's a Jonathan Swift poem. An epistle to a lady. If I can but fill my niche, I attempt no higher pitch. That's pretty awful. He wouldn't say piche niche. But I assume it's a French word. Uh, So why was it not niche earlier? You ever been to England and heard Brits speaking French? They use British pronunciations almost routinely. And it's weird. I mean, I'm going to get attacked by Brits now. But a lot of times they use what would be an English pronunciation of a French word. Oh, it's very weird. And I think niche looks to them, you know, it's it's a small, it's a short eye, so they would just say niche. niche. Okay, now, because what I'm seeing in, in the earlier versions of, in the earlier usages of, of niche or niche, it's spelled double E, N-E-E-C-E, N-I-E-C-E. It's spelled like niece or niece or niche. The niche doesn't come, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at just different public, you know, when it was published. In the 1600s, it's nieces. Niece is then spelled like like niece, uncle, aunt, niece. And then it gets to niches in like the late 1600s, but it's still... See, now I thought that it was niche initially and it became niche. So that that's very possible, but it became... We have we have the Swift poem, so it became uh, niche pretty early, though. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. But I, I do think it... Just looking at the, the initial spellings of it, it looks like it was initially a, a long E. Then it switched to a short I... And then it, now it's going back to the uh, French pronunciation. It's interesting how language does that. It just it goes sort of in a sine wave back and forth. Actually, can I throw another word out now? Speaking of that, C-L-I-Q-U-E, as in the popular girls, Fletcher? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go the same direction. I, I say clique. And I say click. <laughs> Here we so go again. You guys are more cosmopolitan or, or international. And I'm like, I'm very Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't mean I'm right, though. It was interesting. There's, there's a, it seems to be pretty much 50-50 in American English. I listened to 85 Euglish speeches, talks, etc. Out of that, it was roughly 50-50, clique or click. And there was one clack. <laughs> well, clack though is a word. Clack it is, is a word. Is is is, a, is another word that means like a group of gabbling people. So I mean, it's a, it's sort of a clique or a clique, if the case may be. Well, there's some thought that actually clique, which came from the French clique, derived uh, the word where it means something besides clicking, actually derived from clack. Clack and clique right. were kind of mixed up, and then clique took over in uh, English and French to mean that sort of group of young people with similar tastes who have like an exclusive club or something. 
But it was interesting with clique and clique, click. Yeah, because it's it's funny because in, in British English, it's clique would be, yeah, antique, critique, unique. It makes sense that it would be clique. Because I'm trying to think now what in American English you do hear click. But are there other American English words that end in um, I-Q-U-E that are pronounced ick? I'm just trying to think right now. I can't think of any. Nor I. But again, you go back to it. This is like, you know, what happens when, when, you know, you have so many loan words from other languages. And in our case, because of the Norman, as Ross has said in the past, we have a great deal of French uh, words from French derivation that have those French endings. And half the time, we it, it seems, we have the, the French pronunciation and another part of the time we don't. And more often than not, it's the Americans that, that change, often, I should say, not more often than not, the Americans are the ones that sort of changed it. Although now, okay, cliche, we don't say cliche. So now why is cliche? Because cliche used to have an accent on the end. Ah, that's right, of course, like resume. And I mean, cl- click, clique doesn't, but cliche no. used to have an accent on the E, which you know you're supposed to pronounce like with, uh, you know, the A sound. Like peak, um, P-I-Q-U-E, there's that fabric. Isn't that, isn't that PK? And doesn't, didn't that originally have an accent on it? I think it, it did, did. I believe. I should know this because of fashion, but yeah, I believe it did. I, mean, I think that we should start now saying cliche instead of cliche. I want to start changing <laughs> everything. I want to confuse it. Skunk them all is my theory, you know? <laughs> well, okay, we've got another listener question uh, this episode, and it comes from Larry B. He says... I'm too lazy to dig for an answer myself. I just want to throw in that I I appreciate his honesty in that case. Uh, I'm too lazy to dig for an answer myself, but is it backward or backwards, toward or towards, and why? He says, personally, the plural drives me nuts. (laughs) I, I think he realizes it's not actually a plural, but I personally do not know if one is proper or if they're all accepted or or how this shakes out and why we do it in the first place. This was a really interesting question because, to be honest with you, Ross and I discussed it when you first, you know, we first heard about it and we'd never thought about it. It's one of those things that, you know, without thinking, you say, I'll, I'll use both at different times, I realized. And I don't think I ever thought about it. And because of Larry B., we had to do the heavy lifting. So, Ross, you can pick it up from here. No, keep going, Kath. Because my problem was there are certain there are certain usages. The British say it one way. The Americans say it another way. And then we found that a lot of times Americans will say forward in writing and forward in Yet forwards in speaking, or was it vice versa? I'm getting all confused now. Kat. I think okay. In written American English, it's usually the the singular, if you will. I know it's not plural singular. I'll say like the non s. You tend to write backward or toward, but in speaking, often you add the s for some reason, and there's absolutely no reason for it. Some people say that like the the s ending was more common in Britain than in American. Like towards was more British. And then in the 19th century, Americans switched more towards, towards, see, I just said towards, interestingly enough, without even being aware of it, towards toward, which is very difficult to say. (laughs) Let me dig myself out of this. But they can't figure out really why did they move from the towards to the toward. But it's interesting because when Kathy just said it, towards sounds classier to me. Towards, Towards sounds more casual to me. I mean, it sounds, I don't know why that is, but I, I, I think it, it sounds to me like if I were speaking formally, I would go, we move toward greater peace and 
and you know and humanity or whatever but if i were talking casually i think i would say towards i think it's just a matter of but why i don't know but one definitely sounds more casual than the other i ain't going towards that would be to me <laughs> correct i shall not well, go towards that well you'd be happy rosa cuz the uh, guy edward gould who wrote uh, a book in the 1800s about quote good english says that you know there's no way you should not use the s he was very emphatic about it he thought like you did that it was uh that adding it was an innovation without merit why are you doing this you're ruining the language wait so, so you, he said you should not use the s correct and there was no reason for that it was just like he said no <laughs> and a lot of other people feel that way but it's it's there's no wrong in this one okay and, and you mentioned that the the british tend to use the s more often I, I get confused. I'm going to quote the Chicago <laughs> Manual of Style. Their preferred form is without the S in American English, with the S in British English. So you're correct, Kathy. The same okay. is true for Phew. other directional words, such as upward, downward, forward, and backward, as well as afterward. The use of afterwards and backwards as adverbs is neither rare nor incorrect. But for the sake of consistency, it is better to stay with the simpler form. And we're Americans here, so I guess we go without the S. But the problem I have is, it just in speaking right now, I found I'm using both. Without even, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping back and forth between the two of them, and I'm trying to figure out if I, there's a pattern. Is there a time when I add the S and a time when I don't? I told you, I think it's when I'm chatting, I add the S. I'm making a formal speech before a bunch of senior diplomats, which I've never done. <laughs> I'm not going to have an S. <laughs> But you're prepared to that that, that that arise. What about you, Fletcher? Do you say it or not? I think I probably say both. I when I when when we got this question, I had to take a step back and think about it, and I couldn't come to a conclusion. I don't know what I say. I, if if you really tried to nail me down and and say which is proper, I would probably have said without the s is is the proper way to say it. But I'm I'm really glad to learn that either one is is acceptable. Can I throw something complicated and annoying right now in? Oh god, please. And <laughs> okay. according to several sources in British English there's a slight difference between forward and forwards. Forward without the s would be used as adjectives, forward motion, backward glance. With the S, most part adverbs. Let's move forwards. Let's run backwards. Wow. But I wouldn't say let's move forwards ever, would you? I would say let's move forward. I mean, it's like you don't say anywheres or anyways. I mean, some people do, but I mean, that sounds wrong. But 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 backwards doesn't unless you're saying forwards does, though. I wouldn't say forwards, but I would say backwards. I'm going to move backwards or I'm going to move forward. I have to go now. <laughs> I'm really getting... <laughs> this episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. You can check out special artwork for this episode and for every episode designed by Jordan Kirtley at our website, KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's new book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. 
Kathy and Ross have written a lot more. They're always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more tiny little thing. We were talking a little bit ago about those Q-U-E words, click or click, peak and PK. It just so happens that the other day one of my colleagues sent me a word he'd never seen before and I'd certainly never seen. And just by the way, that colleague's name is Tom Shine, which kind of sounds like a superhero name, doesn't it? Tom Shine. He's even an intrepid newsman, the most perfect of all superhero alter egos. Tom Shine. I wonder what his fort is. Anyway, back to what I was saying. The word he sent me was in a Washington Post article about President Bush lying in state prior to his funeral. And it mentioned how Jackie Kennedy wanted John Kennedy's funeral modeled after Abraham Lincoln's, even going so far as to place JFK's casket on top of the frame of pine boards that were nailed together to support Lincoln's casket. That pine board frame is, it turns out, called a catafalque or a catafalque. I think I think I like catafalque better. C-A-T-A-F-A-L-Q-U-E. One of those words that started in Italian and moved through French before we got a hold of it. And most presidents who've died since Kennedy have also been placed on top of the Lincoln catafalque as they lie in state, including now George Bush. The two who didn't were Harry Truman and Richard Nixon, neither of whom wanted to lie in state after their deaths. I did, for what it's worth, pronounce the word correctly before I looked up how it's pronounced, but that's not really my point here. My point is just that I learned a new word, and maybe today you did too. And who doesn't like that?